0: We're going to start in the book of Genesis and work our way through a few things, but I just want to share with you that you are called to be a person of influence. So turn to your neighbor and tell them that you have influence in this world. You know, if, if you're not concerned about everything that relates to you, and if you're concerned about being led by the Holy Spirit, then you can follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to be an influence everywhere that you go. In my life, I have come to realize how much influence one person can have in the lives of other people. And I'm going to share a little bit about some of the people that have influenced my life and people that I have been able to, to influence so uh, this week, Jack had asked, my grandson Jack had asked if he could uh, shadow me as part of a school project out at Harrison, and they spend three hours with you, and so uh, Jack and I hung out together, and we went, Jack's not here, is he? Second service, Second service he'll be here, okay. And uh, uh, Jack I can tell that Jack and I have a great relationship. I believe I have a great relationship with Annabelle. Annabelle's in college, though, so I, I don't have an an opportunity to influence Annabelle as much as I used to. Other than when I go to Bruno's and eat pizza, and the, the reason I don't go to Bruno's more Annabelle is because the tip Grandma makes me leave. I can't afford to go to I can't afford to go to Bruno's that often. Uh, (laughs) glory to God. The other other day I said, how much do you think I should leave, honey? And she told me, and I said, glory to God. It'll be a few weeks before we get back here. (laughs) But it's going into good ground. That that I know. It's going into good ground. But, uh, you know, sometimes you you just have those moments of influence. And so Jack and I were talking about uh, ministry. He wanted to know about ministry. And uh, he thinks he's called to be a history teacher now, I think. I I think that's right. I think I know what he's called to be, but that's all right. We'll let him pursue whatever he wants. I'll I'll leave that out of the second service, by the way. But but Jack is a little boy. Uh, kind of like ja- Daniel, really. Used to follow me around a lot because we had him a lot. Now we don't have Jack that often, but Jack would always uh, come to church. I still have it on my refrigerator. He'd come to church with a tie. He always wanted to wear a tie like Pop, and he wanted to wear uh, socks like me. And, but instead of calling him Pop Sock, he called him Old Man Socks. And <laughs> so nobody called him Old Man socks. And so he, he wanted these old man socks. So we're kind of hanging out and. I told Jack, I said, now Jack, what we do as minister, and and really all people should do this, everywhere we go, we should encourage, exhort, and edify. That is totally scriptural, right out of the Bible. Everywhere we go, we have an opportunity to influence. So, uh, first thing we did was went up to the hospital, and I prayed for this guy, and then, uh, uh, by the way, we need to lift up Thomas Burnett. Thomas, Amy, I see you all the way back there, his new bride, give her a hand. (laughs) Thomas While they were honeymooning for two weeks in Mexico, decided to his youth on an ATV I think or something and he really messed up his leg and had an infection that set in. But now they finally realize what it is. They've got the drug that's going to take care of it but he's going to have a little bit of recovery time. So Father we lift up Thomas. Thank you for his recovery. Thank you for the wonderful time he had in Mexico and he'll always remember that (laughs) honeymoon. Glory (laughs) to God. But he'll be healed quickly in Jesus' name and on with the rest of his life. So we're up there praying for him, and then we went to the nursing home, and uh, I said, let's go visit Grandma Lou, and uh, p- the people in the nursing home need to be encouraged, exhorted, and edified all the time. When you walk by one, you speak to them, because you may be the only person outside of the people there that come into their life, and it means a lot to them. So. We're walking down the hallway and this one lady has been over and I said, Oh, how are you today? And and I said, No, and and after we left, she started smiling. She said, Oh, I'm doing fine. I said, Now see, Jack, we made her day. Do you see that smile on her face when we just said hi to her? She said, Yeah, yeah, Papa, I see. So we went on to Lou and we were talking to her for a while, and she was so happy to see us. And we got ready to leave. And I said, Okay, Jack, let's pray. And I said, and so we're holding hands with Lou and I said, Go ahead and pray, Jack. you want me to pray? I said, yeah, I want you to pray. You're shadowing me today. And he prayed. Now, I don't know if Jack's ever prayed before like that out in public or not, but Jack is very sometimes shy. But if you can influence somebody not to be shy, you're going to help them not to be shy, but to be an influence. Does that make sense? It was the cutest prayer. And Lou Beal said, that just so blessed me. Now, the influence that we have, if we're not thinking about ourselves, is that we can affect people everywhere that we go. You have tremendous areas of influence. All of you have areas of influence. I don't have, but you have people that you can encourage, exhort, and edify. Now, our influence can be good or bad. Can you all say that? Good or bad. I remember daughter Lori right after Pam and I had been married. And I brought a lot of baggage into our marriage. And I had been through a lot. But I had just recently been saved. And Pam showed me a note one time that her mom wrote to, that she wrote to her mom. And she said, Mom, please don't show this to Bill. But when he grits his teeth, it, it scares me. Now, when I saw that, I began to—I got tears eyes. I really did, because I had no idea it was like that. But Pam, to this day, will tell you when Bill gets upset, he grits his teeth. I don't know what I do. It must be some kind of an innate thing that just happens to me. But apparently, I was, and I was influencing her to be fearful instead of being comfortable around me. I hope that's changed, Lori, but I'm not sure I've changed. But sometimes (laughs) gritting my teeth, I don't know. But the day that your daughter and teaching her how to drive uh, ran it off the road at my leading and hit a culvert with my car and took it totally out of alignment, I didn't grit my teeth. Because you know what? (laughs) She handled it absolutely (laughs) perfect car had to be realigned, but she handled it absolutely (laughs) perfect. Now, if you look in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 28, it says that we have been made in God's image to subdue and to have dominion on this earth. And that everywhere that we go, we would have an influence to touch people's lives. And that obviously God had planned for the world to have creation because he told mankind to multiply. And that we have the ability to influence people as we multiply our families, the places where we were. You you may not be in the office of a minister in a church pastoring people, but you have influence everywhere you go as a man of God and a minister of reconciliation. Tell, everybody, tell your neighbor, I have a ministry of reconciliation, bringing people to Christ everywhere that we go, encouraging them, exhorting them, and edifying Now, the word influence is kind of interesting. The word influence is, is and, and tell your neighbor again, you have influence. The the word influence means uh, the power to change or affect something or someone. And this is the one. This is the one I really like. To cause changes without directly forcing the change. To cause changes without directly forcing the change. In other words, you have the ability to plant seeds in people's life to bring them to the right decision to influence them. Every single one of you are an influencer in your family. The biggest influence in my life as a young man should have been my father, but instead it was my uncle. My uncle, I thought, and some of you have heard this before, my uncle, I thought, was the coolest guy. He loved to drink beer, those long neck beers, and he would just chug-a-lug those things down. And my, my uncle always had this little beer, beer breath. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some had been drinking. And, and, and he, I just thought that was so cool. And, and he was not a good influence in my life because he used to give me some of that beer as a young guy. And I won't go into all those details. You've heard the story before many times. But he was not a Good influence in my life it took me a long time to realize he really wasn't that good of an influence on my life. But then I, 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 I had my dad as an influence. My dad he never took me to church. He never talked about the things of God. But he was a good man. He was funny all the time. He would take every situation and try to make it humorous. When Pam sometimes Pam will turn to me and she'll say it isn't funny. You know it's, it's like she's really into something that's. Really serious, and We just—do you mind me saying that? Is that a good <laughs> imitation? Uh, and and uh, and I will try to do something to lighten it up and on. She's it's not funny. As she's laughing hysterically at me. So it just eggs me on to keep going and keep going and keep going. My dad was absolutely like that. We didn't know the Lord, but my dad was like that. And she'll say, "You just remind me of my dad." I, that just makes me so proud glory to God because I loved my dad. He was funny all the time. He tried to be. I'm not saying I'm funny all the time, but I think I am. But anyway. anyway, Anyway, so so what happens is we we get that ability to do that, and and, and then we have those influences in our life. I often think about, and I love my dad. I don't hold my dad was responsible for anything about what I did after I got out of the, the house, you know. But I mean, man, I went the way of the world drinking, uh, smoking, cussing, never chewed much, but I tried. It always made me sick. And then went in the Marine Corps and found a bunch of guys that were doing the same thing I was. So it's like, you know, boy, am I at home. Now, my dad never took me to church never talked about the things of God. There was never an influence in my life of how important Jesus was. And some of you parents that are here today, you need to make sure your kids are in church. They're not going to want to go. What is that one definition up there? To cause changes without directly forcing the change. What you basically do is say, get your butt out of bed, we're going to church, and get them in the car and take them to church and make sure they're here. And you might say, well, no, they don't want to come. How many of you do things for the Lord that you just really don't want to do, but you know you're supposed to do them? Now, we all like to say, oh, I want to do everything the Lord wants me to do, but you know we need to be a godly influence, and you need to get people where they need to be. And so what happens is you you do those things that you know are going to influence somebody for Jesus and make them a better person in the process. Now, then, you know, my dad, he didn't fulfill that role, but then I went through a lot of things because I had really bad influences in my life. The, 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 one of the good influences was Roy Rogers. Now, how many of you realize that an influence causes you to be like the influence that they're giving you? Does that make sense to you? I, I, Pam, I'm sure that you are influenced by your mother over the years. I'm sure you're greatly influenced by your dad. You probably got the best of both of them. And, and, and I've often said this about my wife, Pam, in knowing her dad who is in heaven now and knowing her mom, you got the best of both. I see it. You got the best of your dad, you got the best of your mom, and and that's the way it should be, that we're always that influence. My influence was was Roy Rogers. Well, Roy Rogers, man, he was a good guy. He never—I can't recall anything bad about Roy Rogers. And you know, I, I, there's a tree down there on Ferry Street that the city cut down. I'll never forgive him for that. They cut down my tree that I used to ride around with my double holsters. And uh, but I do have a bark of the tree on my desk, and I have the Ten Commandments of Roy Rogers on my on my in my office at home. And uh, and I and I it says you know, mind your parents and do good and make your bed and all those kind of things. And so. so what happens is you have those godly influences. But then, then I had another influence. It was John Wayne. John Wayne, I, I always liked John Wayne and his movies. It, one of the reasons I went in the Marine Corps was because of the sands of Iwo Jumbo. And John Wayne drank and smoked and cussed and got killed at the end of the movie, and I thought that was so cool <laughs> as they raised... I'm serious, as they raised the flag on Mount Sarabachi. And I remember seeing that in boot camp, and yeah, that's the same flag that John Wayne saw, you know, and all those kind of things. That was a, not a good influence. We are responsible. For being an influence for God everywhere that we go and everything that we do. But if we're thinking about ourselves, we might be sitting around licking our wounds instead of being able to stop for the little old lady in the nursing home or give time to the children or the grandchildren or to do for our wife or our husband, whatever it is that we need to do to be able to influence them. Once I got saved, God brought my wife into my life, and, and Pam is one of the greatest influences I've ever had in my life. And I say that with all—I'm not trying to lift her up, but when I met her, I'd, I'd never known a godly woman like her and she influenced my life tremendously. And when I was down, she was always there to lift me up. And I was down a lot in the beginning. And she said, you can make it. And we can do it. And so it was a tremendous godly influence. And then God sent us out to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I met a man out there like no man I'd ever met before in my life, Pastor Billy Joe Doherty. And I thought, gosh, if this is what it's like to walk like, talk like, and act like Jesus, That's him. Wow, that is really awesome. And then he began to influence my life, too. And he began to say, you can make it, Bill. This, This is what I see for you. He used to share things with me hardly ever with them one-on-one. But the things that he shared with me were just nuggets of truth I still remember to this day. And how many of you got some people that you're trying to influence that it isn't going the way it should be? You've got people like that, and we all have people like that. Don't get down. Don't get discouraged in that well-doing because it can happen. I'll never forget Billy Joe used to say this. How many of you heard this story? Uh, You can lead a horse to water You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Billy Joe used to say this, you can lead the horse to water, that's true, and you can't make him drink, that's true, but you can salt the oats, and need would laugh. You can put salt in their oats. You know how good that is. You can put salt in their oats, and make them want what you have. Make them want to take that drink. Make them want what you have. Who, who in the right mind wants to get up in the morning? A young kid I'm talking about right now. That's why I asked if Jack was gonna be here. Who in the right mind wants to get out of bed in the morning at seven or eight o'clock in the morning, and say, I'm ready to go to church as a young kid. I'll tell you what they want to do. Young kids like to sleep in so do I. <laughs> My wife got, what time did you get up this morning? Five. 5 o'clock this morning. Glory to God, I was rolling over for the second time at 5 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I said, what? I thought it was time to get up. And she said, oh no, it's only 6 o'clock. And I said, well, I'm going back to bed. She said, don't be late. And I said, here's the outline. If I don't make it, just go for it. So, <laughs> But we can influence people all the time with everything that we do. Now, our, our ultimate in, in influence should be the Holy Spirit. And, and, that, and that means to be like Jesus. Romans 8:29 says that we should be conformed to the image of Christ. Paul said that we should imitate him as he imitates Jesus. Our nation today is a mess. And one of the reasons why we have a mess in our nation today is because a lot of people, especially in the body of Christ, but even God-fearing people, have not been involved in this nation. They've not been. Last year, and, I, and I've heard two different figures. One of the figures I heard was twenty million. One of the figures I heard was thirty million. But la, the, the figures I've heard are somewhere between twenty and thirty million. Not last year, but in the last election, twenty to thirty million evangelical Christians did not vote. They stayed home. They didn 't want to vote. It would have changed the election. It would have changed so much that is in our country today this year it 's the same thing. If the evangelicals vote and vote the Bible, there is no question that the man of God or the woman of God who God wants in that office will be in that office if they go in and vote what they believe God is showing them to vote based on the word of God. But what happens? is that people have a tendency not to want to be involved. And we don't realize what our influence could be. Now, I'm not telling any of you what to do, OK? But what kind of influence would we have on the school board if Luann really was on the school board? What if she ran for the school board? What would happen to that school board? What, what would happen? What if Bill O'Brien, instead of in, right now, he's, he's, he's working. You know, he's retired, but he's still working. What if Bill O'Brien got involved with the city council? What if what if he ran for the city council? And what if he got elected to the city council? What if all these ideas Chris has, what if all these ideas Chris had, she decided she wanted to be on the school board too, and she wanted to go in there and just, and just shake the whole place up and say, you know what, you think you had problems before, here I am, and I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to shake some things up. What would happen if we would do that? What would happen if somebody like Todd, I know Donna was also fired up. I was at the uh, uh, city council meeting with Donna, and man, she, she put the mayor right where he belonged. Because she had him, how many of you were there that night? They they have a committee that is not being run uh, by the constitution of the committee and she challenged them on it right there. She had the city attorney backpedaling, she had the mayor backpedaling, she had everybody on one side of the room clapping and everybody on the other side of the room saying, who is she? But what if we would make a difference? What if Kelly ran for office? What if Kelly decided, uh, you know what, Dan's, Dan's doing so well at the bank, I think I'll be mayor. Why don't, we have a, why don't we have a female mayor? What could I do? Or maybe maybe both of them be mayor. What would happen if you did that? Or what would happen if Weston decided he wants to be on the student body or at Purdue and change some of those dumb things college students do and make them pro-life things that college students do? Or what? Now, what everybody said, what if? We can influence people everywhere we go. I was talking to a girl on the phone yesterday. She used to attend this, she used to attend this church. So I'm still praying her back in here. But there's just a couple of challenges that were just, it was absolutely causing serious, serious challenges that were creating multiple things. And we told her, look, this is what you need to do from now on that's going to help you. She said, you can't tell me what to do. I said, oh, you're wrong. I can tell you. She said, well, I don't have to do it. I said, now you're right. Now you're right. I can tell you, and I can try to influence you in a godly decision, but I can't make you do the godly decision. You're absolutely right. But you can't change my ability to influence you. You may not follow it, but you can't change my ability to influence you. I am going to tell you what's right or wrong. I'm going to tell my grandkids what's right or wrong. I'm gonna tell my grandkids and influence them for good. You need to get in here to church and see me preach even if you don't like me. You know, you, you now, now you don't you don't have to come, but I'm gonna tell you what to do. Because we have Christ in us the ability to bring change everywhere that we go. It's kind of like the little boy that, I, I think I've shared this before. i probably shared everything before sometime. But, but after 40 years, and and uh his uh, uh, little five-year-old boy. So his dad, his dad says, son, what do you want to be when you grow up? The little five-year-old says, I don't know, dad. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> it's kind of like, I thought I'd get a bigger laugh than that, but that's probably why I have But But anyway, you get to the point when you realize that you have this influence. Now, let me show you where the entire world is without Jesus, and this is what you and I are called to do. And we're going to show a video here in just a second, but this is where the world is. Jesus said this is why he came. This is the vision, the the scripture that God gave us when we started this church, to share the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus with the world. And this is Luke 4.18. The Spirit of, of the Lord is upon me because he, an, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. There are heartbroken people, oppressed people, blind people everywhere, people that are in prison cells that we have the ability to encourage, to exhort, and to edify them. What if People in the body of Christ, 30 million evangelicals didn't vote. That doesn't mean all of them that voted are involved. What if we took over the city of Lafayette on the city council with the mayor, with the school board, and we got rid of some of this stupid stuff that is anti Christ going on in this city right now? Some of this stupid stuff on who and where gets to go to the bathroom, and some of this stupid stuff that's going on. And we had evangelical Christians in these offices saying, you know what? I understand that you're confused, but I'll tell you, if it looks like a man, you go in there to the bathroom. And if it looks like a woman, you go in there to the bathroom. And we get to the point when we are not concerned about people's feelings. Now, if you hear me right on this, you'll hear right. If you hear me wrong, you go out of here thinking, I can't believe you said that. We won't be so concerned about the feelings of people. We'll be concerned about the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Let's set the, the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't think we couldn't lose this nation, folks. Every nation lives about 200 to 250 years, and then it collapses, and it collapses from immorality. As in the days of Noah, this is going to be the world. The days of Noah were filled with anti-God, homosexual, lesbian-types, of activities that swept the world and God said, I hate what I created. I hate what I created. This is what Billy, or what Franklin Graham has to say, and I wanted to play this. He sent this out as a plea to churches around the country to play it before the election. Crank up the music real loud. I mean, it's not music. At a time
1: when several state legislatures have passed controversial religious freedom laws, the ban on gay marriage was overturned in a five. Why one school faces a stiff penalty over? After marriage. a court so, told the state of Oklahoma to remove a monument to the Ten Commandments, the question the is how much will Christian values play into this election? We're on the verge, as Christians, of losing this nation. And the question people have is, Franklin, what can I do? There's a sense of helplessness because we don't feel like
0: we could change anything.
1: This country used to be a beacon of hope.
0: I think all of us have a tendency to feel helpless in the sense that what can one person do?
1: What can we do? Well, at this next election, vote. Okay? Vote. VOTE FOR CANDIDATES THAT STAND FOR BIBLICAL TRUTH AND BIBLICAL PRINCIPLES AND WHO ARE WILLING TO LIVE THEM. MOST ELECTIONS ARE NOT WON BY MILLIONS OF VOTES, THEY'RE WON BY JUST A HANDFUL OF VOTES. AND SO EVERY VOTE IS
0: IMPORTANT. WHAT HE GOT ME ON, HE SAID, WHAT ABOUT OUR LOCAL ELECTIONS? I NEVER HEARD ANYBODY SAY THIS LIKE THIS. THE MAYOR'S RACES, YOU KNOW HOW IMPORTANT
1: THE mayor RACES ARE? WE NEED CHRISTIAN MEN AND WOMEN RUNNING FOR MAYORS. How about city council? We need people to run for city council. County commissioners, school boards. Could you imagine if the majority of the school boards across this state were controlled by evangelical Christians? It would be huge. We need to get Christians engaged. 20 to 30 million Christians did not vote in the last election. Christians did stay home when they could have done something. So many didn't even vote in the last two elections. Matter of fact, I was one of them. Okay. All right. Photographers, are you all set? I've heard the news release that says you're not campaigning or endorsing. No, I have not endorsed uh, any candidates. This rally is about getting people to vote and voting for people across this country at every level. And that's why I I want to see men and women who believe the Bible to be true, uh, to run for office, because we need people that have standards, moral standards. There's no moral standards anymore. My father said in 1976, get involved in the political process. He said, I'd like to challenge every deeply committed American who's qualified to think about running for political office. He said, I don't believe that we as Christians should withdraw. We need Christians at every level. we got to get the more of us to run. Uh, if we'll do that, I believe God will use it and give, it, give us favor. There are many places where Christian men and women could get the vote if they only offer themselves. Listen, every one of you here could run for something and probably win. We need men and women in office who will look to God. The thing that really impacted my life is when he asked us to make a pledge. I'd like to ask you to join me in signing a pledge. This is serious business. We're fighting for our country. Number one, I pledge to honor God at home. I pledge to honor God in public. I pledge to pray faithfully for the United States of America. Most were things you might expect, and people were saying amen and agreeing with him. I pledge to honor God with my vote. he came to the fifth link, he said, I pledge to engage in my community with God's truth and will prayerfully consider running for office myself if God so leads me. Well, a few less, but good. People were a little nervous about that, and so I'm praying along in my heart and asking the Lord if he really wants me to do that. I felt like he was tugging at my heart, telling me that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I needed to get involved and, and that I needed to consider running for the school board. It was like the Lord whispered to me and said, you need to get back in the game.
0: We need to do something as Christians. He's put us here for a reason.
1: I was really comfortable in my own little niche. And running for office wasn't even a part of my thinking. It's easy to say you want to see change, and you want to get involved, but actually doing it is what I want my kids to see. I knew that God was leading me to file and run for the house. I will be pursuing this race for Congress. It's time that we quit being afraid. It's time that we quit backing up. We take a stand. We take a stand for God's truth. This was probably the most moving event I've ever been to. It's time for God's people to stand up. We're not just to take our light and hide it under a bushel. We're to set it up so that the whole world can see it.
0: Franklin came today with a torch, lit us on fire, and said, OK, now, let's go and let's
1: burn for our city.
0: This is huge.
1: Today's just the beginning. I couldn't stop taking pictures and videos because I always want to remember this. We need to rise up and not be passive, not be sitting at home. This is one massive group of people saying, we're not going to take things the way they are. We're going to change things together. What impacted me the most was to not stand idly by, I need to be part of the solution.
0: The message was clear, get involved.
1: Now it's just a wake up call for me that I need to register to vote now. We can't help but be excited. We can't help but raise the flag. We can't help but shout hallelujah all day long. I'm stoked, man, I'm ready. And VOTE AND GET OTHERS TO VOTE, RUN FOR OFFICE, LET'S TAKE THIS NATION BACK. NOW YOU MAY BE SITTING AT HOME WONDERING, WHAT CAN I DO? FIRST OF ALL, I WANT YOU TO PRAY FOR OUR NATION AND ITS LEADERS. SECOND, I WANT YOU TO VOTE AND BE REGISTERED TO VOTE AND GO OUT AND TAKE YOUR FAMILY AND FRIENDS TO BE SURE YOU VOTE THIS ELECTION. And third, I want you to prayerfully consider, at some point in the future, running for office yourself and making a difference in your community for Almighty God. I want to give you a chance to sign the same pledge that people all across America have been signing. I want you to go to our website right now. I want you to look up this pledge, and I want you to read it, and I want you to sign it. You see, it's a pledge to God, and it's a pledge to country. Do it right now. Listen, we need your help. This nation needs your help and God is wanting to use you. God bless you, thank you.
0: Hallelujah, let's give the Lord a hand for Franklin Graham and for all that he has done. I wanna give you this, this scripture. And then I'm going to pray for you because I believe that we can make a difference. We can be people of influence. The devil has deceived. He comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. And he's a master at deception. There are people, some that I just talked with recently, even family, that, that, well, I I think every woman should, not, not family in Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, but, But every woman should have the right of free choice. On the surface, that sounds good. But then when you start to look into what does that little buzzword mean? What does this mean when you start saying those things? means killing babies in the womb right up until the time of birth. It means partial birth killing babies when they come out of the womb and they're not dead during an abortion and you go ahead and you kill them. I mean, common sense should rule. What if men and women of God, like men and women in this church, were elected to public offices in this city? What if the state had people like that? What if the nation had people like that? What if one of the elected officials, the next president of the United States, is someone who has just received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, or has already received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. What difference of influence could they make? But this is what happens to a lot of people. I know it sometimes happens to me. You can go through life and after a while you're believing for something to happen and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen. Kelson made reference to it earlier. And all of a sudden you know, you just, you just start to get a little, little down, just a little, well, what about this? It's because your focus is upon something that isn't working. Let me see the hands of all the people that you know there are certain things in your life that you've been believing for and it just doesn't seem to be working. Can I see your hands? Now what happens is you start focusing upon that. You will not be a person of influence. You will start to slip into an abyss of what I'm just going to show you scripturally right here. And a lot of people have done that. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore we also, since we are uh, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it goes on in verse number 3, Consider this, what he did. Consider him, lest you become weary and discouraged if you allow yourself to become weary and discouraged it's because you're focusing upon things that aren't working folks there's a whole lot that's working there's a whole lot that god has for you sometimes you just need to leave people beside behind and you need to move on. Never not praying for them, never not believing for them, but you just move on. I preached a message not too long ago about move on. It's time to move on. It's time to get your focus back where it belongs on Jesus. There's a plan. There's a purpose. There's a great influence. If you're home licking your wounds, feeling weary and discouraged, you're not going to be any good for, the God, for God, and you're not going to be involved in this fight. But if you'll get your head up and look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, there are great and mighty exploits for each and every one of us. Can you say amen that. Let's all stand to our feet. God has great things for you in the midst of it. He's going to take care of that thing.